0: Sit down, navigator. Are you the one that's been calling me? Affirmative. You have the information I require to complete my mission. Sit down. I think there's been some sort of mistake. I do not make mistakes awaiting final vectors. Vectors? I don't have any vectors. I'm just a kid. That is obvious. But your brain has been programmed with all appropriate star charts. You mean that's why my brain has been coming up with all that stuff? Yes. You are the navigator. You requested the systems. I didn't mean straight up! I'm out along the ground. Oh, compliance. That's it? That's it, baby! Davies. If you want to learn to swim, you've got to jump in the water. Don't forget to You bruises. Kiwabi, patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, onions, sesame seed bugs. Whoa! <laughs> this can't be happening. I think I got some stuff out of your head that has nothing to do with navigating this ship. You sound just like a human. No! That dumb dog will never learn to catch frisbee. You are a superior species. You dumb thorn. Butt face. Guns bucket. <laughs> hey, Blimbo! Oing, going! Too many twinkies! Uh-uh. Welcome to Sweet Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike McMasunas. How's everybody doing today? Can't say I'm doing great, guys. It's been a, man, it's been a rough, rough week for me, man. Uh, just, just real bad, but uh, I am very excited, though, that it's a new day. It's a podcasting day, and I'm going to be a happy camper when this sucker's over. Uh, last night, I didn't get a chance to record because I hadn't watched the movie yet, you know? In fact, I've actually watched it twice already. So uh, I'm very, very excited to finally be sitting down uh, to talk this movie. This is one movie I've been wanting to do for a very long time and finally got around to it. And it's the perfect time to do it because the next episode is when the STL Nation takes over and the voting system has officially started. We already have a winner of our voting system. And uh, of course, I will announce what's the next two movies going head to head. But all of that and more will come uh, throughout the episode. So before we get rolling into all that fun stuff, let's get into some movie and music news. You're insecure, don't know what- So, for the first bit of movie news, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but there was uh, an article that I recently posted, Yahoo, CNN, such and such, that basically had said last weekend was uh, the worst movie box office that we've had since September 11th. You guys know September 11th was yesterday. Uh, I believe the highest grossing film was like nine or ten thousand, nine or ten million dollars. And that hasn't happened since, you know, September 11th. So uh, hard to believe, huh, that, uh, you know, we had all these big monster mega hits and then all of a sudden, you know, we kind of crashed down the toilet. But they're thinking that the box office is going to pick up this weekend. And that's because of two specific movies that are completely different from one another and they're both in 3D one of them is Finding Nemo which you know Finding Nemo was one of the first Pixar movies which you know obviously Uh, but for me it was one of the first Pixar movies that I actually saw I believe it was my second one I watched Monsters Inc first and Monsters Inc still to this day is my favorite of the Pixar films and then followed very closely to Finding Nemo and I'm very excited that they're finally going to do a sequel to Finding Nemo which you know hey Finding Nemo hey, Nemo's obviously gotta get lost again but who knows how they're gonna work on that and then uh, Monsters Inc is going to be a prequel which is going to be Monsters University so needless to say I'm very excited that my two favorite Pixar films are getting a sequel But uh, Resident Evil Retribution is coming out this weekend and guess what? Yours truly is going to go see that sucker. I love the Resident Evil films. Uh, I'm not one of those people that say, oh, I hate the Resident Evil films because they're not like the games. And you know what? I take each one as it is. I love the Resident Evil games and I love the Resident Evil movies. It doesn't bother me one single bit. So all the people that complain and moan about the movies, you know what? I don't really care what you have to say about them because I dig them, I love them, so it's too bad for you that you hate them. I flip and love them, they're a great time. So I'm gonna go see some zombies in 3D blow up in my face. It's gonna be some good times, I can't wait. And I'm going Friday to see that sucker, so uh, John the Mailman was giving me... Uh, uh, you know, wondering when I was going to be doing a retrospective on the Resident Evil series. I said, hey, it, it could happen, sir. It happens soon. So, yours truly, if you didn't know, loves the Resident Evil movies. So, I am very excited because of the cr- horrible week that I've had. Me and the wife just need to get away. And the way that we're going to do that is just go to the movie theater, put on some 3D glasses, and watch some zombies blow up. So, I'm hoping Resident Evil uh, will, will take the top of the, uh, of the box office this weekend. But if it doesn't, you know, Finding Nemo, I mean, obviously that's generated to more audiences, kids, and uh, families. So I'm pretty sure that's going to be number one and Resident Evil be number two. As far as I know, Resident Evil has always been the number one at the box office for every movie that's come out. So, of course, I didn't research that, but I'm pretty sure based off of my memory that each one has been the number one movie to come out. So if it actually goes to number two, that would kind of be a first. So I just want to give you guys a heads up. So if you want to know my thoughts on it, uh, just you know hit me up on Facebook, and I'll let you know what I thought of uh, the new Resident Evil movie. Okay. Now, of course, uh, you know one of the last episodes I did was the Expendables, and uh, you know I talked much love about Van Damme and, and Dolph Lundgren in that episode. So needless to say, the Universal Soldier series, uh, which it is a series, if you didn't know. I mean, the first one hit it really big in the theaters. Uh, and that was kind of in the prime of, of Dolph and Van Damme, but uh, you know they've uh, Van Dam has come back to make a few, and recently Lundgren came back. So the new one is called Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. It's going to be hitting on demand on October 25th, and then it will actually be in theaters on November 30th. So it's kind of funny that you're going to actually be able to see it prior to it hitting in theaters. Kind of cool, but kind of weird at the same time. So be on the lookout for that. And then of course my all time favorite horror movie. You know, always has, always will be. John Carpenter's Halloween 1978. Is going to be returning to theaters. And I cannot fucking wait. You know why I can't wait? For the simple fact of this. The last Michael Myers movie I saw was in the theater. Was Rob Zombie's Halloween. And it's been trashed on. And I want to go back to... The good old Michael Myers, John Carpenter version of, uh, of Michael Myers, and that's going to be hidden in theaters. And then, what's really awesome is, is that they are finally releasing on Blu-ray, just so you know, the actual collection is now officially on Blu-ray. But you need to wait just a couple more weeks because Halloween 2, which is one of my all-time favorite sequels, and it's the last time that you actually get the awesome Michael Myers mask. After that, it looks piss poor. Just horrible, especially in Halloween 4. It's butt, ugly, ridiculous, stupid looking. Anyways, Halloween 2 is coming to Blu-ray, and it's a very special edition where they are going to do the TV cut. Now, the TV cut I love because the TV cut, obviously, with it being on TV, it was edited for TV, so a lot of the violence is toned down. But the cool thing with the TV version back then is they added some scenes. And a lot of the scenes tell more story than what you actually get in the final film. For example, the ending is different. Uh, Jimmy actually lives. And uh, there's various um, conversations between the doctors and nurses and stuff. It's just really, really cool. So it'll be the first time on Blu-ray that we'll get to see the TV version. So we're going to get the theatrical version attached to it. You'll get the TV version. And then there, there, The TV version will just be TV, so don't expect it to be like all HD. It's just going to be your typical ratio for the TV edition. But the theatrical version has been... You know, sound and pictures look. To- looks totally awesome. So uh, Halloween 4 and Halloween 5 just recently hit Blu-ray. And then if you go to Walmart, you can pick up The Curse of Michael Myers and H2O in a single Blu-ray set for like 5 bucks. It's pretty cool. Now, obviously, why am I talking kind of horror movies? Well, that's because next month is the STL Horror Extravaganza. And uh, I'm very, very excited for it. Last year... For the first annual one I did was the Halloween series because Michael Myers is my favorite. So I did the whole entire series. So this year, uh, we're doing another one. And what's really cool is uh, Zombie Land, I told you, is gonna be hitting, you know, the next episode. It was gonna be a bonus episode with um, with uh, Point Break, because Point Break is the movie that actually won the voting process, uh, which I'll get into a little bit more details towards the end of the show. But uh, we just—I des- decided that it fits more into October because, granted, it's you know there's funny scenes in Zombie Land. It just works better as as in the horse, you know, the horror area in October. And I have a special guest—the half, the other half of uh, Changing Channels podcast, Jameson is going to be joining me on that, and uh, and we can't wait. He was actually supposed to join me for Flight of the Navigator. He the loves Flight of the Navigator. However. Uh, due to you know his baby coming and uh, you know he's real busy with like uh, you know with the kids and and stuff like that so needless to say he was real busy couldn't join me tonight but when we get together to record some uh, CCP uh, then we're gonna talk some zombie land so just be on the lookout for that it's gonna be some fun times I have no idea when that episode will be dropping but it will be in October. And uh, towards the end of the episode, I'll talk about what are the movies that will be in the October, you know, Halloween extravaganza, and then after, and then after October, we will go back into uh, the voting process of all the movies that you pick. So uh, I just wanted to give you just kind of some some heads up, real quick. Because it does kind of relate to what I'm talking about with the Halloween stuff. So uh, be on the lookout. That should be coming out. The Halloween 2. You can pre-order that now. Go to HalloweenMovies.com. Uh, the the cover art looks flippin' sweet. I'm very excited to get all the Halloween movies on Blu-ray. Even the Piece of Crap number 3. Just to have my collection. Of course, I will never get the Rob Zombie crap. But I'm very excited that that movie, John Carpenter's 1978 Will be coming back to theaters now. I don't know uh, what theaters are getting it, how many cities, all that fun stuff. Uh, you'll just have to keep close to HalloweenMovies.com, like the Facebook page, and they'll give you all the updates on that. But it is making a return, so it's going to be some good stuff. So, some other quick movie news, and that's the uh, Independence Day films. Uh, there's actually going to be two sequels, uh, even though it's been 16 years since we got the release of the first one. Uh, the talks of the sequels are, and they're hotter than ever. And uh, according to an interview that just recently happened, uh, they're, they're doing a package deal for uh, for Independence Day. And the first one is going to be called Independence Day Forever Part 1 and Independence Day Forever Part 2. Uh, and then, of course, they're going to be post converted in the 3D. Uh, you know, even though Roland Emmerich isn't really a, a, an enthusiast of uh 3d but the cool thing is emmerich's back though man that's awesome because you know say what you will about roland emmerich man but he's a awesome amazing disaster flipping director man and we're obviously going to be talking some of his films uh well hopefully if you guys vote for it we will so i'm very excited for the independence day films it's going to be some good times not a whole lot of info as far as when it starts filming and all that good stuff but we will get two more sequels out of that so it's going to be some good times and finally, last but not least for movie news, uh, the coolest flippin' story happened. My boy, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, is a flippin' crime fighter. You're like, what do you mean he's a crime fighter? Well, here's the thing. During Fast Six filming, some punks were like on the set of Fast Six. I guess they were like robbing stuff. Well, him and Gina Carano, Gina Carano from um, Haywire, you know, my favorite butt kicker uh they were you know he had his uh he had his vest on he had his you know gun on him and uh he noticed some like noise activity on the side now he says that all he was doing is he was running uh towards the gate that he needed to go to but it, essentially the dude saw the rock running at him and they dropped the stuff and took off so he really stopped some would-be robbers whether it was intentional or non-intentional, it's still flipping awesome. I mean, if you had Dwayne Johnson running at you, you would take off too, man. You wouldn't be stupid enough to steal anything. So way to go, Dwayne. You're the bomb. You're the best. Love you, man. It's awesome. You're you're, you're keeping your reputation as awesome as possible. Because not only are you an action hero in the ring, out of the ring, but in real life, you're stopping criminals. So way to go, buddy. That's what I want to hear. Good stuff. So that is it, guys, for this week for movie news, let's roll into some quick music news. No, Alright, really now in music news, before I talk about what I wanted to talk about, I wanted to kind of recap last week and uh, follow up on the story. Now last week on the never ending story episode i was talking about how toby mac could possibly have the number 1 album but uh, I wouldn't know the results until later so i wanted to give you confirmation on what happened so it's the first time in 15 years that a christian album sat at the number 1 spot on the billboard charts so remember i said i wasn't quite sure i knew that it it hadn't happened that it had happened before but i wasn't sure how many times so here's the deal it's only happened three times, okay? So the first time was Butterfly Kisses by Bob Carlisle. You guys remember that song, Butterfly Kisses? You know, uh, the father. Uh, it was a real sweet, soft, gentle song. And just about having a baby girl and growing up and giving each other butterfly kisses. Just a beautiful song. So that was the very first Christian album to hit number one. Number two was Leanne Rhymes' You Light Up My Life inspirational songs. That was back in 1997. So that was the second time. So Toby is the, uh, is the third artist... To do it, it's been 15 years, and he sold 69,000 copies, man. Ended up in the first spot, so he took everybody out. He took out uh, Slaughterhouse, so that's good, man. It's good time. So I wanted to follow up and give you, uh, if you know, if he did it or not, which he did. So now, before I talk about the iTunes charts real quick, um, you'll notice in the beginning of movie and music news, uh, there was a real pop song that it played. And uh, the name of that song is uh, uh, You Don't Know You're Beautiful, which is by uh, One Direction. So here's the thing. That song almost made the Summer Music Spotlight series. And uh, it was a song that I had heard on the radio. I kind of instantly fell in love with it, and then I kind of found out who it, who it was, and found out One Direction was kind of like a new boy band because it really didn't sound like a boy band song. And you know me, I you know if you do or don't know, I'm a humongous Backstreet Boys fan. Uh, I have followed, you know, I've, I've loved those guys since the beginning. I personally think they have amazing talent. You know, people hate on on bad boy on boy bands all the time. You know, InSync obviously went down the drain. Yeah, they had Bye Bye Bye, but in all reality, Backstreet Boys have stayed together. They're still making albums. They, you know, they write their own music you know originally they did not but now they write their music and they play instruments and stuff so you know they have a lot of talent and for me love them but One Direction to me kind of seems like a Backstreet Boys ripoff but at the same time I like them because they're British I guess evidently they were on the X Factor which is Simon Cowell's show from uh, American Idol. He was uh, the original, you know, he was a judge on there and then left and then did the uh, X Factor. Well, they were third place in the X Factor and then Simon signed them. So it's kind of like a British invasion, you know, AKA Beatles uh, invasion. So needless to say, uh, the MTV Music Awards, I actually watched that. Now, normally I don't watch too many award shows, but I always find the MTV stuff to be entertaining, especially because I knew Taylor Swift was going to be on it because for me, Taylor Swift, she never disappoints. But I got to see some artists that I probably wasn't really too familiar with. So, needless to say, One Direction was one of those people. And they sang a song, uh, you know, One Thing, which was pretty fun. It was a pretty good song. I actually liked it. So, the next day I I checked out their album. But this song here, uh, You Don't Know You're Beautiful, almost made the music spotlight uh... but uh... you know it's just it's a such a catchy song a lot of people know this song uh... from stl fans but uh, don't really know where it came from so one direction was kind of uh... shocking to me uh... you know finding out that they were like a boy band and stuff like that so i here's my thoughts on one direction uh... i like the songs that have come out so far Uh, i do like the album it's pretty good Uh, it's not great uh, I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, the overall album is maybe a 6 or 7. Uh, but those two songs, on you know, those two biggest songs that are currently out for them are easily, you know, 9 and 10s. Those songs are amazing. Uh, but they got to have longevity, man. So if, if they're going to last a good 10 years, then they will get my full respect. But at this point, I'm just going to take them as they're going to kind of die out in two or three years, you know. So, uh, but Nicki Minaj, man, I'll tell you, I saw her at the MTV Music Awards and people seem to love this girl and I just, I have no desire whatsoever. If you're a Nicki Minaj fan out there, I'm sorry, I I don't mean to be disrespectful or anything, it's just, I don't know, man, there's just something about her that just kind of rubs me the wrong way and I don't know what it is, you know, I don't know if she's trying to be something that she's not. You know, there's uh, obviously Lady Gaga tries to do that. Katy Perry is much more balanced in her craziness, but uh, Nicki Minaj, man, I just I see so many crazy things that she does and she says in her music videos are just real ridiculous. So she won some awards. Uh, Pink was good uh, coming back. It was, she did a really good performance. It was some good stuff. And uh, there's a lot of hip hop on there, man, that I just wasn't feeling, man. You know, I can deal, you know, the old school hip-hop, man, I'm talking like the, you know, the 90s hip-hop when, like, you know, we had Dre and Snoop, you know, that was some good stuff. Bone Thugs and Harmony, I was never a fan of. I know there's a lot of people that are. The gangster rap, you know, that has its own following and stuff. Never kind of my thing. You know, the the hip-hop and rap that I love is the stuff mixed with, like, guitars and, and funk and soul, all that kind of stuff, you know. But the guys that were on the MTV uh, Music Awards, just, oh, I wasn't feeling, I was kind of bored, I just wanted to fast forward. It's just hip hop isn't the same. Even Eminem, man, as crazy and ridiculous as his lyrics are, he was at least entertaining and kind of made you think with his music versus the music I'm hearing nowadays. It's just like, it's just so blah to me. You know, it's just not the same. It's not as captivating as it used to be. So, and I know, my, you know, Jason, he was kind of, you know, I posted how, man, what's up with the people that are loving this Nicki Minaj and this hip hop, this isn't the same, and people seem to love One Direction. I'm like, where's all the good music at? And he's like, you sound like an old man. And I'm like, it's true, man. I do feel like an old man. So... The, the music awards, the best part of the night, was the ending. When Taylor Swift came out and did uh, We Are Never Getting Back Together. She was just great, priceless, totally not country. But it was fun, man. She definitely killed it. It was some good times. So... Uh I just I wasn't too overly impressed, but needless to say, when you have the music awards, the iTunes charts, they kinda you know, they kinda rack up a little bit because you hear a song that was currently on the music awards, so one direction had gone up, gone down a little bit. But this week on the iTunes charts, we have some interesting songs on there. So the first one, our number one song is a Kanye West song, a Jay-Z song, and a Big Sean song, uh, Click. Now, Kanye West, you know, obviously the dude is very arrogant, but the guy does have some pretty good songs that I actually do enjoy. And Jay-Z, now this guy, I've always loved Jay-Z. This is the kind of hip-hop and rap I'm talking about artists like this that is just good, you know. There's the guys that are good, and there's the guys that are just crap. Uh, so needless to say, this song is the number one song. Uh you know go check it out see if you dig it of course taylor swift she's actually got two uh in the top spot she's got we are never getting back together which has been number one for quite a while kind of kind of you know going up and down and then we have ronin uh which is a single that she kind of created overnight uh it's about a cancer uh victim and uh, she had visited him and kind of made a song and then instantly put it up on iTunes and it's already number three. So go check that tune out. It's pretty good. And then Maroon 5. Now Maroon 5 is kind of hit or miss for me. Uh, One More Night. After I saw the music video, I dug this song. The music video is just uh, it's so good. It's kind of like him being, uh, you know, it seems like him and his woman are just fighting. But he's, he's with his baby kissing it, but he's a boxer. And uh, it's a really awesome video. Check it out. And the video made me like the song. And, you know, uh, of course, Maroon 5, uh, their first song that came out, I totally dug. And then ever since then, I was like, ah, they're just kind of annoying. But, of course, Move Like Jagger, I mean, who doesn't like that song, right? So needless to say Maroon 5 One More Night Go check that out It's a great tune So I I really dig the top 5 songs we got going here Uh, We got some Maroon 5, Taylor Swift And uh, and the Kanye West song You know, the Jay Z song I'll take it or leave it But for me the top 5 this week are pretty good songs So go check those out on iTunes So that's what we got guys for movie and music news So let's get into the review of Flight of the Navigator David, what time did you enter the woods? Around eight o'clock. Then what happened? Then I reached this cliff. It's transmitting in alpha waves with complex frequency patterns in them. I know I fell. It's 1986, man. Eight years since that night. This is totally rad. I mean, you're my big little brother. I think we should take a look at this. Where did this come from? The mind of a 12 year old boy. He's hurt. He's calling me. His voice keeps calling, saying something over and over and over, but I can't understand. Of the Navigator. Now, one thing I want to say about this film right off the bat is I am kind of shocked it's a Walt Disney film. You know, when I think of Walt Disney, you know, you think of the the, an- the animation, you think of the, the fun, friendly family films, and uh, this movie, I mean, obviously is a family film, just like Never Ending Story. Uh, one thing I no- I noticed with this film though is that you know it's got swearing in it, which the never ending story had. The special effects are amazing in this movie. And considering this movie came out in 1986, you know, this is a this is a great science fiction film. You know, and when I think of Walt Disney films, I you know this doesn't come to mind. I think of you know when I think of science fiction movies, I think of this movie, but I don't when someone says Walt Disney films, this isn't the first one because I, I don't really associate it with that you know it's just it's so flipping good to be a walt disney movie you know i haven't seen a good walt disney movie uh and i'm not talking cartoon wise i'm talking live action you know national treasure is another movie where i'd be like wow i can't believe that's considered a walt disney film and uh, it just it amazes me this movie is uh came out in 1986 and uh the director randall uh, Klusler, uh this guy i cannot believe this guy's filmography. This guy did Greece 1978 Blue Lagoon Summer Lovers Grand View uh, USA with Jamie Lee Curtis, Big Top Pee-Wee, White Fang, Honey I Blew Up the Kid. I mean, you can kind of see we're dealing with musicals, dancing, you know, comedy, uh romance, kid films. But Fly of the Navigator is the only film that this guy did. That is special effects oriented, and it's a science fiction film. And this man, this guy, should have did more of it because he did a very great, you know, just a great job on this film. Now, if you don't know about this film, uh, essentially Joey Kramer, which now Joey Kramer, uh, he's the main star of the film. Now he really didn't do a whole lot uh prior to flight of the navigator he was in this movie called *I man now *I man was another walt disney film and actually had scott uh, bacula from quantum leap in it and it was kind of like there was like a an explosion due to like uh there was like a NASA a, a nasa truck that was carrying like uh space canisters and essentially when it blew up uh scott bacula was burned to like uh, third degree burns and then started to heal and he had like all these powers and stuff he would get shot and start to heal instantly so it's kind of going to be like a a, a pilot to a TV show, and he was actually Joey Kramer was in this movie, but it, it just never took off. So, Fly of the Navigator. This is what this guy is remembered for. He did very little stuff after that, like uh, Stone Fox and It's My Party stuff. You're probably really not going to know. So, Joey Kramer uh, plays David Freeman, and he's twelve year old kid living in Fort uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and the movie takes place in 1978. And of course it happens on the 4th of July. Now did you know Pee-wee Herman is in this movie? Of course you knew he was in this movie. I mean once you heard his laugh you knew exactly it was him right? He's actually credited as Paul Maul because he you know, really didn't want anybody to know that it was Pee-wee Herman. But of course Paul Rubens is the voice of Max in this film. And uh, just so flipping good. So here's the thing. Um, on the night of July 4th um, his mom Helen uh, played by Veronica Cartwright. She asks him to go after his younger brother, Jeff. And of course, you know, in the beginning of the film, they have uh, kind of uh, big brother, little brother, just annoyance to one another. You know, always making fun of each other, calling each other names or just always annoy one another, you know, butt face, you know, all this stuff, shake their butt at each other. So he's real annoyed that he has to go out and look for his brother uh and his brother's name is jeff because he uh, stayed at a friend's house on the other side of the woods but he was supposed to be back at a certain time wasn't show- you know he didn't show up because the mom and dad they want to go out on the boat so he you know joey not joey but david he starts to walk through the woods and uh he of course jeff jumps out scares him, and then of course uh david falls into like a kind of a ravine and gets knocked unconscious kind of because he's so mad he just kind of you know his brother takes off but his dog brewster uh was kind of whining at this uh, ravine but he's kind of tripped and fell and he was knocked unconscious so when david wakes up uh it, you know of course it looks like it takes place just a couple seconds later he starts to walk home and uh man this is when it starts to get flipping good i mean this movie this movie is real short it's like i don't know 90 minutes long but man it gets to the good stuff right away he you you know he knocks on the door he's like open up you little punk you know which i'll talk about that a little bit and some lady opens the door and it's an older lady and uh some dude and some lady are in his house Everything has changed. Guess what year it is. It's 1986. Uh, I mean of course he freaks out. Because wouldn't you freak out. Uh, And you know of course the police come. And uh, after various questions. uh, They eventually find the house where his parents are. Of course they've aged just like everybody else. His younger brother is now his older brother. Because Jeff uh, now obviously looks older than David. Even though technically David is older than Jeff. So when he gets reunited uh, with this family, you know, things are just crazy. It's eight years later. So then we catch over to NASA. There's a spacecraft crashes into some power lines. So the NASA guys convince the police that, hey, it's a matter of national security. It's theirs. You know, they got to take it to their base. So, of course, cops are all good, let it go. Because, you know, NASA wants to study it, but they find out that they can't break into the spacecraft. And they're like, oh, what are we going to do? So then David gets taken to the hospital to discover, you know, what's going on. Why hasn't he aged? So then the doctors start to perform these tests on, like, his brain. And all of a sudden, his brain starts to create star charts and uh, actually creates this the spaceship. So, of course, the NASA guys see that. They want to get a hold of David. Now, Howard Hessman is the main uh, NASA scientist, uh, Dr. Faraday. Now, you'll know this guy from head of the class. He was a really cool teacher. Now, he's not really he's not really your bad guy in this movie. He's just the scientist that is very. You know at first he seems to have the right intentions, but he he wants to find out what's going on. So he he's not really a bad guy. He's just kind of misunderstood. I guess is probably the best way to do it. So how are you know Hessman does a great job of, of this guy. but you know he hears about David and he requests that uh, that they can take David for like 48 hours, take him to the same facility that uh, that the spacecraft is at. So they do these scans on him and uh, they realize that his brain contains, you know, star charts from this planet called Phalon, which is technically 560 light years away from Earth. So, of course, when you're, uh, you know, traveling faster than the light speed, that's why, you know, we things age differently. So essentially he's gone for like four and a half hours in the light speed travel, but on Earth time slows down, so therefore it would put it at eight years. And that that kind of explains to you, okay, what's what's a little bit of the story what's going on. So then David befriends this girl named Carolyn. Uh, Played by Sarah Jessica Parker, which a lot of people seem to have problems with Sarah Jessica Parker. I think she's cool, man. I don't have no issues with it. And what I love about this is she has purple hair. And I'm just like, how relevant is that in 2012? People have pink hair, purple hair, yellow hair, brown, you know, whatever. I mean, look at Nicki Minaj. That girl has new hair every flipping day, you know, whatever. But it's just cool to see some stuff Uh, coming into play I mean there's flipping G.I. Joe and Transformer toys which is just so flipping cool but uh, you know he um, he they they build a friendship and essentially uh, when uh, Dr. Faradine finds this out he's got to keep David there for more than 48 hours David thinks he's going home Uh, and then she kind of tells him nope you're going to be here all week so he tells her to let his parents know That uh, they want to keep him locked up. So, throughout the beginning of the film, he's hearing voices, but you really can't piece it together. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like a telepathic thing, if you will, but it starts to get clearer, uh, you know, as as time goes on. And eventually you can hear it, you know, David, are you there? Come help me. And he sends uh, Max, he sends this robot. It's called, uh, uh, what the heck was that thing called? Um, Ralph yeah it was it's some some name you know it's Ralph for short but it's essentially a service robot so he climbs in a service robot and the service robot takes him to where the spaceship is because the security guys don't think nothing of it it's just a typical robot that goes all around the base so no one's going to think otherwise to look into this thing so once he gets inside and uh he you know what's really cool is there's these special effects it's like think of Terminator 2 liquid Terminator. This is your first time seeing this. Where the stairs become liquid and then become solid. So I'll get into the special effects in just a little bit. But they're really cool. He climbs in his spacecraft and then he meets uh, the pilot. Which is a uh, Trimaxian drone. Uh, which that's how he gets his name Max for short. Uh, and that it's a ship from Phalon. Now he calls uh, David... He calls him Navigator because he's put the star charts inside of his head. He needs those star charts, so that's why he's called him the Navigator. So Max accepts uh, his command to to escape the base because David's like, Look, I can't help you, man. We need to get out of here. So they both kind of work together. And the cool thing is... Unlike other alien movies, this spaceship could leave whenever it wanted to. It's clearly shown when this ship escapes. I mean, all the crap that's holding it down, it easily breaks it open, it uses its laser to get out. Unlike other alien movies like Independence Day where the ship is just stuck, it can't move, or uh the ship from my science project where they get the engine from this ship clearly could have left when it wanted to but it needed david so i really like that twist it's pretty flipping cool and before i forget the score the score is amazing the soundtrack in this man it's like a techno score it's just it fits so well it's just perfect i love it but anyways david uh you know david and max they they get out of the base But uh, David's just like, just take us 20 miles away from here. And the ship goes straight up in the air. You know, it goes outside of the earth. It's 20 miles up in the air. Because, you know, David's just like, not up. You know and then of course take us back down so they go back down and then essentially Max decides to go forward. So there's a lot of tension between these two trying to figure each other out. So Max tells David that his mission was to travel to uh, the galaxies, uh, collect specimens and then take them back to Phelan for analysis before he returns them to their homes. Uh, but he discovered, though, that humans only use 10% of their brain, which, you know, AKA, we've heard that before. Uh, and as an experiment, he wanted to fill David's brain with miscellaneous information, which would be the biggest thing, star charts. But uh, it leaked, as he says. So Max uh, returned him to Earth, but he didn't take him back to his, uh, his own time Because humans are too delicate for time travel. So, unlike everybody else, us humans, we get screwed. So, you know, you kind of figure out, you kind of find out what's the deal with the whole eight years thing. So, when trying to leave and return to Phalon, Max had accidentally crashed into some power lines. And when he did that, it erased all of the star charts that he had built in. And the data he needed to return home. So therefore, that's why he needs to get into David's brain to return home. So it's kind of like, uh, you help me, I help you kind of thing. What's really cool is an hour into this movie, Max gets what he wants. And then the rest of it is just David trying to get home. It's just, it's like I said, this movie's fast, man. It doesn't waste any time. This 90 minutes feels like a half hour. It's just a super fast movie. And it's super fun. It's good times. So Max prepares to um, you know, perform the brain scan on David so he can get his star charts. Uh, but before he does that, he shows some alien specimens that are going to be returning home. Which, oh man, these things are just, some of them are so cool. One of them's like an eyeball. One of them is like this thing that eats, Like well, if it was to bite you would never let go. And then there's this thing called a Puckmarin. It's a tiny alien species. It's kind of like a miniature gizmo. But if gizmo was completely brown and had no fur, that's what this thing is. It's flipping cute as it can be. And it's maybe like an inch tall. It's just it's so flippin' amazing. And it, just look at the front cover, the uh, the thing on his shoulder. That's exactly what this thing is. It's just it's flippin' amazing. So of course David and this and this punk Marin, they you know they they bond together. They're just super cute. And uh, unfortunately though, this guy's world was destroyed. So he's an orphan. So eventually after you get to meet the special creatures, you know Max does the scan, and then in the process what happens is he gets like attitude and emotions it's kind of like he becomes more human because he scanned all of uh david's just everything in his brain so he became more funnier he was stubborn argumentative i mean it was just flipping good and this is where you get the Wee hermit because like i said paul rubens is the voice of max but you can't flip and tell it's not until we're uh, when David is tickling the Puck Marin and it starts to laugh and he's like well what is that and he goes it's laughing he's like you should try it and he starts to do the laugh that's where you hear the Wee Herman laugh but it isn't until he does the scan where he goes full-blown Wee Herman style but then in a like a second like a snap he can instantly flip back to being serious which is flipping good times and I really enjoy this because you don't really get to see this ...from this actor, you know, and say what you will about his personal life or whatever. But I've always enjoyed Paul Rubin's character, you know, his performances in Pee Wee and uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've just, I've always liked this guy. So, for me, he does an amazing job as Max. So, needless to say, after, you know, he gets the attitude and stuff, the the movie becomes super fun. And, uh, you know, David and Max, they bicker at each other, but Max decides that uh he's gonna shut down and he lets the ship fall though to orbit you know he max gets pissed off he takes it all the way up to like above earth and essentially says you know what you're gonna fly this thing because you made fun of me here you go he shuts down and it forces david to become the navigator that he's supposed to be right before he crashes so it was pretty cool but you know i think deep down max wouldn't have let you know like crash but uh, he activates the manual controls, takes over, and then they travel around the planet trying to decide what to do next. Because, you know, you're a kid. You're not really good at geography, right? So, of course, NASA is tracking them this whole entire time. And uh, eventually, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Carolyn, she does get to the parents, tells them what's going on. Tells them that, you know, he escaped in the ship and that Faraday uh, has put them under house arrest. And then we hear the word uh well i'll get it in a minute but they say the s word you know um, you know the other word for crap and then they say bastard now technically bastard isn't a swear word i guess it's in the context that you use it in and they use it in the context that would make it a swear word and i'm just like this is a walt disney film how weird is that they say the s word twice which I'll talk about when that happens, but it's just uh, like I said. It, to me, this isn't a Walt Disney film. It's just a great science fiction film. It just totally cracks me up. So, anyways, they're like they're in house arrest, and um, David he stops by this gas station to uh, you know to phone home, basically you know, aka phone home. E.T. It's kind of a joke, and they kind of play on that because the guy that owns it eventually says all he wanted to do was phone home, but he calls Jeff. And, you know, wants Jeff to send him a signal to let him know where the new house is. So Jeff will eventually set off some fireworks. And then that way David's able to find it, you know. And it's nighttime, of course. So he sees the fireworks and he's going to return home. But uh, he realizes, though, that uh, he can't go home because of the fact of, you know, he's lost eight years with his family. That's his family but it's not his home because once he gets there the government's just going to take him away he's going to be a guinea pig i mean think about it if this happened to you the, the, the you know the government would never let you go they would use you as a guinea pig you know and i totally see where david's coming from i would have done the same thing so you know max tells him look you can't come with me man you come with me you're going to get vaporized you can die and he's like you know what i got to take that chance he goes i'm willing to basically die to get home If that's what, you know, I hope it doesn't happen. And at that point, the movie becomes real serious, you know. We go from all the joking to, like I said, in a snap, you're back to seriousness again. So David decides he he doesn't belong in 1986. He says goodbye and he orders Max to take him back home. And uh, so Max, you know, he travels back and uh, David, uh, you know, wakes up in the same spot. And you're kind of wondering, okay, did everything go back to the way it was? And then you see his parents and uh, Jeff out on the boat. And uh, then he tells them, you know, hey, I love you. And, of course, you know, I mean, you guys know as a parent, if your kid just walks up to you and says that I love you, they want something, right? That just doesn't ever happen. Uh, but, uh, you know, he missed them and tells them he loves them. He even tells them to Jeff, you know. Uh, and here, the cool thing is, you um, David actually had uh the punker the the punk marin in his book bag and Jeff actually sees it and uh he just you know David just kinda you know, puts his finger over his mouth and says, you know, shh you know, and they both kinda smile at each other. So you know everything's gonna be alright. And then as the film ends, uh during the fireworks, Max shows up and uh he's like You know, see you later, Navigator, and does the laugh, and, you know, the movie ends. So, I mean, that's really what happens in the movie. Uh, It's so, it's just so flipping good. But let's talk about the visual effects. So, this movie was released at, um, you know, right in the very beginning of 3D animation. And it's the world's first 35mm movie to use environmental uh, mapping, or environment mapping. So, you're like, okay, what is that? What it does is it creates the illusion of a chrome object opt- occupying a live action frame. So, like I said, the stairs, you know, uh, most obviously that would pretty much in today's standards be done by CGI. But if it holds up, man, it looks flipping great. Uh, it was one of the um, there's this company. It's called Ananova uh, Graphics. They were the first computer animation company. Uh, they're not obviously in business anymore, but uh, they were they were the first and uh yeah man the cgi was just you know well it wasn't cgi but it was 3d animation and it looks flipping great the space stuff man looks flipping great and what i mean by space stuff i'm talking the ship when the ship transforms and and everything when it goes back in time it looks flipping great uh it's just i can't tell you enough how good the special effects are all right so let's get into uh my favorite stuff of the film. Okay, so the very beginning starts off and you see a frisbee uh, up in the air, which kind of is supposed to make you think it's a flying saucer, and then a dog catches it. So you you see a frisbee contest going on, and it's a good way to start off your film. You know, you're immediately throwing your audience off, And you see that the film takes place in 1978 just by the banners and everything like that. And I like the dog Brewster because in the beginning of the film you see that Brewster isn't very good at catching frisbees. And then later on in the film uh, when David's calling and you see Jeff outside uh, with Brewster. You can clearly see that he can now catch a frisbee. So I I like that payoff. It's pretty cool. And they kind of play you off again after after the show's over. Brewster lost and Jeff and David start to go at it. All of a sudden there's a big shadow that goes over everybody and you're like, oh, okay, this must be where the spaceship is. But again, uh, it's just a blimp. It's just something to throw you off as an audience member, which is pretty flipping cool. All right, I want to talk about the dad for a minute. The dad uh, is so cool. You know, the dad's name is Cliff D. Young, uh, who plays Bill Freeman in the film. He didn't really do a whole lot after this, but he clearly reminds me of myself, which is so funny. You know, when David and Jeff are fighting in the car and uh, he says, you know, don't provoke your brother. You know, that stuff that I say, you know, don't provoke your sister or, you know, don't go in the fridge and eat stuff because I need you to be hungry. And then, you know, David says, don't worry, I'll be hungry. It's like I could totally see myself as the dad in this film versus, you know, when you're a kid, you don't think of that. So it's just kind of cool that I'm, you know, I say the things that this guy says and it, it was just kind of a... I put a smile on my face. My daughters watched this movie with me and they absolutely loved it, man. I just loved it. I think they loved it more than they loved the Neverending Story. It was just it was a great experience, you know, watching these movies with with my kids. It's like being 9 years old all over again. That's just kind of what it feels like. So, the woods scene, man, where David has to go find Jeff now, you remember I was talking about the music. The music kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Silver Bullet. You know, that's the, that's my favorite werewolf movie of all time. That's the one with Corey Haim, um, you know, Stephen King's Silver Bullet. But the music in Silver Bullet is reminiscent to the music that they played during the woods scene. And it was kind of, you know, it definitely gives you the creepy effect. But immediately I hear Silver Bullet when I see that scene and it just freaks me out. So needless to say, you know, I, I love the effect. The music's great in the film. And uh, and this whole scene is just good times. It's just It's got a real mysterious vibe. And then when his brother jumps out, you kind of jump out as an audience member. It's some good stuff. Now, I definitely like the house scene, you know, when David wakes up and he goes to his house and he starts banging on the door. Open up, you punk. You open up right now and then some lady opens up and it's just, again, creepy vibe, man. You're like, okay, you know, you're pounding on somebody's door and you're calling them a punk and you walk in and the house that's that your house is now completely, you know, it's not remodeled in regards to, you know, a room isn't where it's supposed to be. It's just, you know, different furniture and stuff and you go up into your own room and there's some old guy sitting there. And This always cracks me up in movies when the old people are calling younger people son. Like, what is it, son? hold still, son. It's like, dude, you're not the kid's dad. Don't call him son. That just freaks him out anymore. You know, that always annoys me in movies. But for this movie, it's cool. I forgive it. I dig it, you know. And you just see David just, man, just fall down. And on the stairs and just start crying you know I want my mom and dad and it's real touching man you know if you have any heart whatsoever this movie will definitely touch you emotionally if you don't have a heart then I guess you're not human but this movie's good I'm not saying it's going to make you cry but you better tear up just a little bit that's all I'm saying but anyways uh, I, I dig it man I dig the whole scene about uh, you know David trying to uh, go into the house it's just a good creepy vibe because you as an audience member have no idea what the heck is going on Now, I love the cop's look, you know, when... Uh, They're going through the reports, and he goes, yeah, you know, the kid's wearing what he's wearing. But then he looks at the date, and he's like, you know, he was reported dead, and he just kind of looks at him. And, and of course, David's like, who's dead, you know? So I I just love the cop that they have on the investigation. Uh, I just love his look because he just treats it like it's no big deal until he finds out the date that he was missing and finds out it's not a typo. And things are just starting to look really weird. You know, the cop is just trying to be as cool, calm, and collective as possible. So I, I dig the cop. He's some good stuff. Now, um, I noticed the, uh, when they find the spaceship, you know, this is where NASA shows up and, the, and the Max's ship is in the power lines. I got a My Science Project filled to this because in the beginning of My Science Project, when they find the spaceship and the old guy says, get rid of it. Uh, which, if you haven't seen my Science Project, What Is Wrong With You, one of the greatest 80s films of all time, go back and listen to my episode of it, and you, you got to hear the epic line from Vinny of... Hey, kid, why you wear sunglasses at night? Because when you cool, the sun shines on you 24 hours a day. That comes from that movie. It's epic. I still use it to this day. But in the beginning of that movie, um, when the guy says get rid of it, they're playing this uh, music. And the music in this scene where, where the NASA guys find Max's ship sounds exactly like that music. So immediately, I got Silver Bullet. I got My Science Project. Music mixed into this film, so immediately it's just like, man, it's good stuff. I mean, oh, uh, I like I said, you gotta go, you gotta go find the score, go on YouTube and listen to it. I think I don't know, they have the whole, sc- they have it, various tracks out on YouTube, and just listen to it. I mean, they play a lot of it throughout the film. It's just a really good techno, creepy, uh non-creepy music. It's just, it's got the whole package. It's some good stuff. Now, Jeff, 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 Jeff. You know why I like Jeff? Because Jeff was in Teen Wolf. (laughs) You're like, Mike, what are you talking about? No, no, no. I'm not talking Teen Wolf, the MTV show, which, by the way, is completely awesome. I'm talking the movie, you know, Michael J. Fox. Uh, The guy's name is Matthew uh, Adler. And in uh, Teen Wolf, he played the character of Lewis. You remember Lewis? He was kind of Styles. You know, lackey, and he just kind of was always mad at uh at Michael J. Fox's character. well, anyways, he's in this movie, and it's so cool he's got glasses and you know Jeff was so annoying in the beginning of the film, and immediately once once the older Jeff comes on, he's really the only reason to stay in in this new world, you know in nineteen eighty six is because of how cool Jeff is, but I would rather grow up. You know, knowing how my brother is going to be in the future, I'd want to see him progress to be where he is. So I dig Jeff. He is definitely a highlight in this film. Uh, everybody's really good in this film. I have no issues with any of the characters. Nobody uh, phones it in or nobody's annoying or anything like that. Everybody just does a great job. Obviously, the main focus is Max and David. But uh, I, I dig the older Jeff because, you know, he's from Team Wolf and he does a great job. So when David's getting his test, I like how they talk about how, well, he's talking in binary code, you know, and for you geeks out there, you guys know what binary code is, because, you know, I'm in IT and tech support and all that other crap. You know, I fix PCs and and stuff like that as my side job, you know, for some extra cash and stuff. So that whole binary code talk and stuff was pretty cool. I dig it. Uh, And I, I, you know, the graphics... Uh, even though it's in 1986, man, the star charts look really cool. Uh, the drawing was obviously when David is when the the spaceship is printing out. You know, it's got the. Got the green lines all over it and it makes the spaceship on that huge page. Looks really cool, man. I really dig it. You know, really, the only thing that really ages this film is the guy outside of their house with the humongous cell phone in his hand. That's one of the biggest things that ages is outside of them saying, hey, we're, you know, in in this year or we're dealing in this year. But uh, overall, though, the age factor isn't too bad in this film. All right, so who didn't love this scene when David... First goes to NASA and he goes in his room. Who didn't dig seeing the Transformers on the bed and seeing the G.I. Joe on the bed. I mean wasn't that flipping cool especially in 2012 when the Transformers movies have come out and G.I. Joe movie come out. You know not not talking the new one with the rock in it because obviously we didn't get to see that yet. But it was just so cool man to see that vintage stuff. Uh, it was fun, man. I enjoyed it. I didn't. I totally didn't remember that that stuff would be sitting on the bed, and and I dug it, man. I I loved the nostalgia factor of this film. It's some good stuff. So Sarah Jessica Parker. Now I I kind of talked about her just a little bit before. She's very cute in this film. Very likable. I have no issues with her at all. I I don't really have a whole lot of issues with her in particular. Then again, I don't watch Sex in the City or I don't watch Sex in the City movies. So really the only stuff I've seen Sarah Jessica Parker in is uh, this movie. And I think two or three other movies, but I can't tell you exactly what they are. But again, I've never really had a problem with her. But I dig the purple hair though because it's relevant today in 2012. And I love... When they talk about the music how oh I was at a concert, I was at Bee Gee's. And you're like, Oh my gosh, you were at the Bee Gees and then she's like, Yeah, I was at Twisted Sister and all the youth are like, Yeah, we know what Twisted Sister is and you gotta love David's response of never heard of her and then you and then she says, Well it's a him or it's to them, you know. So I, I dig the Twisted Sister and Bee Gee talked, it was pretty funny. Now uh our first swear word comes into play. And this is when, you know, David's at NASA and they're calling home and you and you hear Jeff in the background don't take any S David and it's just you know if you're a parent watching this with your kid, you know if that offends you or you don't want your kids to hear it, it can kind of shock you if you weren't expecting it in a Walt Disney film. You know, I get a kick out of it. I thought it was funny, just the way he says it was good stuff. Uh, but I definitely dig that man because you know the dad doesn't really take any crap, man. And uh, and Jeff Jeff's all about supporting his his little big brother, which you didn't really get to see that in the beginning of the film. But I love the the testing technical talk you know where you start to get the info about the you know they it was 560 light years away you know fail uh which means it was 2.2 solar hours and it uh you know it means that it that it took to get there you know and then you get the whole light speed theory and stuff now there's some people out there that have issues with this that are being all theoretical and all that crap People wake up. It's a flipping movie, okay? It's a 90-minute movie. Uh, It's a science fiction movie. If you're going to waste your time and start to break down this movie, you need to get a life, okay? Seriously, it's just a movie, all right? It's entertainment, all right? I get the fact of you want to try to break it down and stuff, but by ripping on the movie saying, well, this could never be, and guess what? Time travel doesn't exist, okay? So don't worry about it. Just saying, okay? So anyways, I dig the whole light years thing. It's some good stuff. And then I got to love the wink from Carolyn. You know, when he's trying, when David's trying to convince Carolyn to contact his parents. And uh, she's just all nervous because she knows the security guards are looking at her on the other side of the mirror. And she just gives him that wink. You know, like, it's okay, David. I'll take care of you. And you just see the smile and relief on David's face. It's a good scene man i dig it some good stuff uh and then of course the the help me the first time you really get to hear max you know because pretty much his voice was jumbled but when you actually get to hear his voice help me are you there you know you can actually make it out uh it's great and then of course they play that real cool music when he's in the ralph system i, I dig this techno music man bringing me back to the 80s again i love it it's great all right, now I touched a little bit about the liquid stairs. Man, that effect looks great. Uh, you know, just kind of think Terminator 2, liquid metal style. You know, the effects, like I said, man, they're really good. Now there, are, there are occasional moments where you can clearly see a dent in the ship. Or you can see like the the crane shaft in the background when it's being pushed out. I mean obviously there's little tiny things. I mean look, Karate Kid, my favorite movie of all flipping time. I mean you guys know I've seen it way over 500 times. I know every nitpick of the movie. I can tell you where the smoke machine is. I can tell you where the change of the the band-aid goes from one eye to the other. I can tell you where the timing consistencies are. I mean no movie in the world is perfect. You know, there's always going to be a flaw. Like in Pretty Woman, one minute she's eating a bagel, the next minute she's eating toast, all in the same scene. It's just, you know, just editing-wise, things get missed. It's just... A lot of it has to do with how noticeable is it to you. A lot of times you notice that stuff on 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 repeat viewings, which your first time around, you're not gonna see this stuff. so just I've seen it enough where I can recognize the little tiny things and that doesn't bug me whatsoever. It's cool. It doesn't stick out like a sore thumb like other stuff would, which would definitely pull down your rating. But for me, the liquid stairs, um it looks good, man. the whole time that they do the liquid stairs, it's great. I love the special effects in this film. It's it's great. And, uh, you know, when uh, we get the contact between Max and, and David for the first time, Max has got some great lines. Sit down. You are the navigator. You know, just stuff like that. I mean, I could definitely put a a whole sound clip together of every single line that Max did. And it wouldn't get tiresome. You know, everything he says is good. Everything to compliance. You know, compliance, you know, I mean, is he's trying in the beginning. Obviously, he's very robotic. You know, he has no human emotions whatsoever. And then, of course, kind of like Knight Rider, you know, Kit eventually learns to be more human-esque. As time goes on and gets attitude and and gets emotions and stuff, even though it's a machine, you know it's good stuff, man. I dig it. Now the second swearing happens when uh, when David sees everybody coming in. And looks outside and one of the guys says, holy yes, it's an alien. You know, again, you probably aren't expecting that from a family film. I laughed at it. I thought it was cool. I thought it was funny. But you got to be on the lookout for that. If you're watching this with your kids and that bothers you, you know, that'll be the second time around where you're going to hear that. But, you know, I dig it every time Max says compliance. You know compliance. I it just—it's so good, man. The voice work by Paul Rubens is just fantastic. I can't say enough good things. What Paul Rubens did with this character—it you really believe that this guy was for real, you know? And it, and that's that's being a voice actor. You really got to make your character come to life, and he did a fantastic job. Now, I love the the flying up and flying down, you know, when they get out and they got to fly all the, when he flies all the way up, 20 miles up and then goes all the way down. Great special effect. Again, it didn't look bad at all. It was funny. And, you know, I kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier about how this scene proves to you that the ship at any time could have left. It just needed David. Just by the way, that it, it took uh, force to get out, used its laser, and then took shape, looked really great. And I just love that aspect how uh, the ship itself at any time could have just left you know, it, it tells you how powerful this thing is. It's, in, it's impenetrable. It's uh, it's really great. I love it. Now I love uh, our first comedy bit with Max when he's like, what are you doing? You know, when they go up 20 miles an the air, he goes, I didn't want you to go straight up. And then you see Max say, Oh, you know, just the way he does it is some, it's real funny. I, I love it. And, uh, you gotta love the whole no bathroom You know when David's like look I need to think I gotta go take a leak which is really great because in movies most people don't have to go to the bathroom and we all know that everybody's gotta go take a leak especially if you're a dude usually you gotta go like every hour right so it's cool that we finally got to see that in a movie where David's just like dude I gotta take a leak man I gotta go think and he's like don't me no not uh, what does he say do not no bathroom yeah that's what he says do not no bathroom it's just funny as serious as it sounded and he goes I promise I'll be back do not no promise you know it's again uh, Max and David are just fantastic together and uh, and I I mean I can watch their scenes over and over and over again and never get tired of it because they're just so good together and then of course when David's taking a leak that's when you get the story about how uh, you know your brains, in, you know an inferior species, because you only use ten percent of your brain, and you get the whole talk about what happened in the whole eight years. He goes, if I'm so, you know, if I'm, if you're so superior, why'd you take eight years away of my life? And I love the line about how later uh, he says that uh, correction, uh, I need the superior information in your inferior brain. You know, it's just it's good, it's good line delivery, it's good stuff. But this is really where you get the whole story at. And, uh, and it's good, you know, you're almost an hour in, uh, you're intrigued, you're having an adventure, well, you're about ready to have a real big adventure, but, you know, you're finally getting closure on the whole what's up with the eight years, so it's a good time in the movie to wrap that story up, and, uh, and you know, Max will eventually get what he needs, and then David will get what he needs, so it's just, it's a good point in the film, everything's, like I said, everything flows fast, everything flows good, no issues whatsoever. Now, of course, they pay off the whole taking a leak joke by when they go in the ocean, you know, to kind of get out of radar and everything. And you hear David say, "Will this ship leak. And he goes, I do not leak. You leak. You know, it's just again, it's a real funny joke. It's some good stuff. And then when you see the creatures, man, I like all these different creatures. They look good. Now, you can clearly see the string that is moving, you know, the little guy. You can see his arms moving. I mean, again. I noticed that after repeated viewings you probably not have noticed it, doesn't bother me one bit. Other people it's probably going to bother but I, it's mostly on the right hand side you can clearly see the string. That's really the only time that I can see the, the puppetry of that otherwise the creature for the most part man looks great the whole entire film again it doesn't really bother me one bit but uh, I just I love the little guy man he is just so flipping cute. First time we get uh, Max laughing, you know, we get the signature Pee Wee Herman laugh. And that's when you really, if, if you didn't know at that point who the voice was, you clearly know who it is then. And of course, the movie really becomes amazing when, uh, after Max scans David, and he becomes more human like he starts to recite lines that were said earlier in the film between him and jeff about finding brewster and brewster being a dumb dog and they start you know there's a joke about you know they rip on each other just like david and jeff ripped on each other in the beginning of the film so you know at this point this is where max really has a personality and uh, he's rude he's funny uh he's compassionate it's just he's the whole he's the whole mix and they do a really good job you know at this point there's only a half half hour left in the movie and it really doesn't feel like it feels like it'd be longer but at the same time it feels Perfect at the same time, if if that makes any sense. Uh, but you know, Max gets mad. He's like, "You call me a geek," you know, and because uh, he's got to force David to fly the ship. And then you get, of course, nowadays, geek is a good thing to be called a geek. But back then, you know, it wasn't really a good thing to be called a geek. You know, so uh, I, I dig the whole "You call me a geek," you know, and and they play off this whole geek thing later on in the film, just by meeting people. Was this guy a geek and all that other good stuff? Uh, but you know when the guys are outside of, uh, of the house, you know when they they realize Sarah Jessica Parker's and they're talking to the parents, and you see the guy on the humongous cell phone, man, it just cracks me up. I mean that that essentially ages the film right there. You guys remember those humongous white uh, huge cell phones, man? They were like, I don't know, two thousand dollars or something like that. They were a ridiculous price. But uh, it's in this scene where, uh, you know, the dad gets mad and and says that the doctor is, uh, you know, he he calls him a bastard. And, of course, like I said, that's when it's taken, that's your third, you know, your third swearing in the film. So, again, Walt Disney film, uh, you got three swear words up in here. So, you know, it's definitely a trip, man, I'm telling you. That's why, for me, I, I don't really consider it a Walt Disney film. I just consider it a general science fiction film. But uh, it's some good stuff, and then we get uh, we get the oops line, and that's when they go to Tokyo, and, uh, and Max is like, "Oops," you know, because you would think for such a superior species, he would know directions. But I, I kind of take it as you know, was crashing into the poles. The dude is just completely lost, and they pretty much said that. Now, as we get towards the end, when we're wrapping up the film here, uh, there is a funny joke about the uh, geography. You know, who's the one that got a D in geography? Ha ha! You know, he's like, how would you know that? You know, and I like the uh, the whole when they go to the guys that are in the in the car, and they ask for directions and you hear max say hey thanks for nothing he goes were those guys geeks and i love the beach boy scene man the i get around you know it it was because of this movie that i had to get that song as a kid because i didn't know who the beach boys were as a kid all i knew is that this song was awesome and i had to get it so for me this i and i thought the movie this song was created for the movie but of course it wasn't but anytime i hear i get around by the beach boys I see this scene in my head, and it's some good, good times. So I really flip and love it. Now, the scene that my daughter, my oldest daughter, she kept cracking up It would not stop, and I, I just couldn't. I was like, "Why are you laughing so much?" And it's when uh, they stop at Big Al's, and uh, and Max. You know, starts to he he sticks his head out and he goes, "Hey, oink oink, too many Twinkies, ha ha." You know, and she just at that point was just busting up laughing and and would not stop. I mean, it was getting it was getting annoying. She's like, "Can you rewind that? Can you rewind that?" You know. So needless to say, she's rewind that scene enough to uh, to make a lifetime of laughter, I guess you could say. But uh, I love how the little guy tries to the eat the the Crunch Bar. I, you know, you hear his voice. ah you know, trying to reach and stuff uh i I really enjoyed that, you know, even though clearly you can see that there's a bite taken out of it, and then the next scene it's not taken out of it, but again, you know it's because I've seen it enough times, no big deal, but uh man, I love this ending, man, the whole uh where it immediately switches where Max is no longer funny, and it's they've now reached the house, and uh you know we get serious, and David has to make the decision if he wants to stay or not and uh at this point it just it gets real serious and he, man I just, I love the ending man it's just so good and you know he's just like I don't know if I want to stay and it's not my home it's that's my family but it's not my home and of course you know the scene that that always gets me is when they play the real soft music and he just looks at Max and he's like you know I'm going to miss you and uh you know Max says, I'm going to miss you too and uh and he's like thanks you know and it's just so good man if you don't tear up at that scene what's wrong with you man do you not have any emotions what's wrong with you go check yourself before you wreck yourself that's all i gotta say because that scene is flipping awesome it's good stuff uh, and then, of course, when David gets home, man, it's good. It's good when he's telling everybody he loves him, man. He doesn't tell his dad that, which is funny. He tells his mom, you know, I love you, and even says to Jeff, yes, Jeff, I love you too. And then, uh, of course, we get to see Max for the last time when he's up in there. See you later, Navigator. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, good stuff. So overall, man, I flip and love this movie, and I watched it again this morning, man. Uh, I just couldn't get enough of it. So, so rating wise, here's the deal. Okay, last. Last episode, Never Ending Story. I think I gave it like a four and a half. But I said there were various things that kind of didn't hold up. For me, this movie held up in a lot of ways. Number one, um, the story is just great. I mean, it's, uh, it's super fast. It's 90 minutes. It goes by like that. Um, I remember, you know, back in the day on the wonderful world of Disney, they broke up this movie into two parts. You'd have part one on this night. And then you'd have to wait a week for part two. And of course they broke it up the moment David is going to go step in the ship. So that was always annoying. I think that was the first time I saw this movie. But the special effects are great. They hold up. The creatures are great. Uh, I love Max. I I love David. I think they're all great. You know, for me, this movie is a five star film. And now, is the movie perfect? Obviously not. I mean, I, I've kind of pointed out some things that obviously, you know, dents and cranes and, uh, you know, you could see a string moving the puppet. But it's just number one, uh, it, the special effects still to this day look amazing. Uh, It's a great science fiction film. It really is. The spaceship is great. Max is great. Uh, David's a very likable guy from the moment you see him on screen. Uh, Jeff is really great. uh, Even as a younger kid, uh, the parents are definitely not phoning it in. They're in there just enough time. You know, even the bad the quote unquote bad guy really isn't the bad guy. It it just really works well and I think the movie has aged very well and it definitely can be enjoyed today just as much as it could have been enjoyed back in the day. Now nostalgia factor obviously usually nostalgia factor gets an extra star. So let's just say I was never seeing this movie as a kid, just watching it now in 2012. I mean I'd probably go with like a four star, you know, maybe four and a half. But the nostalgia factor obviously gives it that extra push, that extra star. So for me, I love it, man. I I think it's a a, a very strong, even critical wise, four and a half star movie. But the nostalgia factor kind of pushes it up, gives it that five star, and that actually rates it higher than the Neverending Story. And you guys know how much I love the Neverending Story. It's just this movie held up so much better than the Neverending Story in regards to effects and uh it just uh just everything just flowed so much faster and better it's i don't know they're both amazing movies but it just this one's just a tad bit better in regards to holding up in 2012 than uh you know than the last movie so that is it guys that's my review for flight of the navigator so let's hear what the stl nation has to say <laughs> Alright, so our first email comes from John the Music Man. And he's like, Hello sir, Flight of the Navigator. Well, for me, it's just an okay movie. Stop the presses. Okay, 99.9% of the time, me and John agree on everything. This time, he just... He not really feeling fly of the navigator. I was kind of giving him crap about that this week, and I said, hopefully, you know, after you hear, you know, my my take on things, maybe it'll change your mind. Maybe you'll feel a little bit differently towards it. But I I had to give him crap about that. He's like, I can't put my finger on it, uh, on what I think, but I think the kid just annoyed me. Which is, you know, I mean, if the main star annoys you, I guess that I mean obviously that would that would make you just think it's okay uh but before you throw stuff at me i will say that i love the ship and of course i love the voice of Wee herman he was great so uh that's it john the music man so again thank you sir for writing in uh good times, sir uh now our next email uh comes from uh one of our friends who has not wrote in in quite a while and that would be Good old John the mailman. What is up, sir? He's like, "Hey, hey Mike. Sorry I've been MIA. I had a lot going on. Wife just had a baby." Congratulations, sir. Uh, you know I, I announced it on the last episode, John the mailman the uh, third which uh, congratulations sir I'm glad everything worked out for you. Uh, saw the picture of your baby she's definitely a cute one, sir way to go. Uh, I am behind on the episodes, but I'm catching up and back on track with the uh, and I'll be back on track with the show uh, I didn't do much watching going on. I did a rewatch of Rocky One and Rocky Two. It's a very good one-two punch of movies. You know, he says that a lot with like *Karate Kid* one and two, you know *Bad Boys* one and two. It's a good one-two punch. And *X-Men*, I like, uh, but I I hate how Scott Summers is treated in all three of the movies. Uh, but don't get me started on *The Last Stand*, which, yeah, I mean everybody hates that movie, right? And uh, he said, "I hope you share your near car accident story." Uh, it's a good story, and maybe someone out there will learn from it. I uh, hope you have a great show, and I'll be listening. John the Mailman considers email delivered. So thank you, sir, for writing in. It's been, uh, great to hear from you. Glad you're back in the game, sir. Hopefully uh, we'll continue to hear you on the boards and stuff. So uh, he was talking about the story. Okay, if you guys remember, I was talking about how um, you know I've had a horrible, horrible week. So here's what happened. So I had to get a tetanus shot, and it's not because I got a scratch or, or anything serious. It's just because it's been like 16 years since I got it. Now, um, with my heart arrhythmia, uh, I have a thing with needles and with seeing bloodshed. So normally what I have to do is I just have to lay down when I get a shot or a blood drawn or anything like that. And then I'm fine. Uh, I don't pass out or anything like that. So I went into the doctor's office on Monday. and uh, Now, I originally was going to ask my wife to come with me to uh you know just uh you know i'm like hey i don't know if i'll be able to drive so can you come along with me and she's like yeah sure Uh, It was right before i got off work my daughter gets out of school at 3 30 my appointment was at 4 it was about like 3 20 i asked if my wife was still going but she said my youngest daughter uh was being kind of bad she didn't really know if she wanted to go out i said that's fine you know i'll just pick up you know let's pick up you know my oldest from school We'll just head on over because it's right across the street. I thought it was no big deal. I thought I might actually get in early than my 4 o'clock appointment. So I got in about 3.45. There's a chair there. I was like, nope, sorry. I can't do that. I need to lay down. Can we go in another room? They're like, yeah, sure, no problem. We'll take in another room. So I laid down. And, you know, I've been hearing all these horrible stories about technic shots and everything. I'm like, oh, uh, is it going to burn? You know, how bad is it going to hurt? Blah, 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 blah. So they had me take a deep breath. They got the shot and, uh, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt too bad. It was maybe on a scale of one to 10. It was like a two. And, uh, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just going to lay here just a little bit, make sure everything's cool. So, you know, I breathe in, breathe out, you know, I moved my arm a little bit. So it wasn't stiff. So about like five minutes later, you know, I sat up and I said, you know, I feel good. I feel just the way I feel now is exactly how I felt. So I was like, okay, you know, let's go. So me and my daughter, we go, we go in my car, and uh so I I pull out of the uh pull out of the doctor's office, and I pass my work and I said, "You know, let's just listen to some music before we get home." Now I started to get this uh this queasy stomach feeling, like lightheaded, and I was like, "No, no, I I I can't pass out. No, I can't let this happen." So I just told my daughter like, "Hey, you know, just talk to me." And uh and I passed a certain area where I knew that uh, i needed to to pull over very quick and i knew the next stop wouldn't be until the intersection which is not a very good part to be in so you know and i could i could just hear that voice just saying you know pull your car over now so uh, i pulled into a church parking lot and i and i put my car uh in you know i just parked it i had my car on and, uh, and, and it was, I guess within like five seconds, the moment that I had pulled over, you know, I just told my daughter, I'm like, Hey, I'm just gonna just put my head back. Next thing I know I passed out. So, um, so I wake up and, and I could feel my foot. I could just hear my engine, like just revving and I could hear my daughter screaming at me. So when I wake up, um, I see that, uh, you know, she's like, daddy, there was just smoke all over the place. She thought that I had, you know, I smoked out my tires. So keep in mind, my car's on. I have it in park and my foot was all the way down on the accelerator. So I was doing like 9,000 RPM sitting, it was, you know, standing still. Cause when I when I woke up I could feel my I could feel the engine just revving. and I could feel my foot pressed against the gas all the way down. So needless to say when I woke up I first thing I said is that, you know, thank God, you know, we would have been in a car accident and I pull over and then I checked my heart because anytime I pass out, my heart skips a beat then I need to head over to the hospital and I usually have to spend about a day in the hospital to get my heart back to beating normally but my heart was good I was like oh thank you god everything's good uh and then all of a sudden um you know I looked at my dashboard I saw that my oil light was on my car wouldn't start now I've been having battery problems for a couple of weeks so I figured my battery was dead Uh, my brother-in-law had just gotten off work so I gave him a call to see if he could come give me a jump he showed up and uh I uh, spent about a good 20 minutes trying to uh, trying to jump my car. And in the meantime, you know, I'm telling my wife that hey, you know, I'm I'm a little bit late uh you know i didn't want to tell her that i passed out because i knew that she would totally freak out but i told her you know i, I passed out everything's okay you know I'm, I'm here with you know i'm here you know my brother-in-law everything's fine uh you know i'll be home as soon as i can so we spent about a good 20 minutes trying to start the car and uh, as we're piecing things together uh what the what the the smoke that my daughter saw wasn't the tire because when i looked there was no tire tracks. Uh, there was smoke coming from the bottom of the of the engine. So what happened is I I burned out. I killed my engine. Uh, I I had a little bit of oil. I didn't have a whole lot of oil in there. So when I revved it to nine thousand RPMs, I essentially you know burned out my engine because uh, the the battery was like kind of fried. But then when you took the oil cap off, it was like smoking like real bad. And he's just like, dude, I think you just killed your engine. So then I was like, okay. Uh, if I told my car, I can't have it in front of my house because if you have your car in front of your house, because I'm on a one-way street, uh anything over forty eight hours you get a ticket. I'm like, I can't do that, the car's dead. But uh the the nearest town is where I have my cars always looked at, which is where my my uh my parent my not my parents, but my uh, in-laws live. And I was like, you know, I called my, I called state farm. I was like, look, you know, I was like, I need to get my car over to this town. They're like, well, we'll cover the towing, but you got to pay the mileage to get it there, which is going to be about 30 bucks. And of course, uh, I was like, well, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of money left in my account, but I'm like, I'll just write the check and I'll just pray to God. They don't cash it until, you know, like Friday, this, this coming Friday. So, so needless to say they towed my vehicle out there I called the church let them know hey my vehicle's here but it's getting towed I called my people out there to let them know the vehicle's coming it's probably dead but you know take a look at it blah 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 blah. Well, in the meantime, when I when I get home, I'm feeling completely horrible because of the fact of... I mean, I'm feeling like a weak, weak person. You know, like how could I pass out over a stupid shot? You know, I was perfectly fine. Uh, but instead, you know, my wife's just like, look, you know, it's just a car. You know, you and, and her couldn't be replaced. You know, and other people were telling me that, look you know, especially my, my boss, she's like, you had your foot all the way down on the accelerator. You would have easily been going way past 30 miles an hour. You could have been going like a hundred miles an hour, crashed into a car, crashed into a house, whatever, you know, you two could have been killed, you know? So it's, it's so weird. It's like, I have this depressing feeling because I don't have the money to go buy a new car, and to, to get a new engine is going to be $1,600, which I only paid $1,200 for this car. Uh, and I've had it for five years and I barely put any money into it. So obviously, I've got my money's worth out of it. But it's just a matter of it, do I get a new engine or do I get a new car? But technically speaking, when you buy a new engine, it's like buying a new car anyways. Because even though I'm going to have the same outside you know, shell, it's a different engine. So you don't really know how you know, how that new engine's going to be, you know? So, so since Monday I've had the whole like, um, depression, but happiness at the same time. Cause I'm, I'm happy cause I know, you know, God was watching over me and I, you know, just telling me pull over, you know, otherwise, you know, i i can just have i just see the visions of what would have happened you know i would have gotten into a car accident i could have gone over to center line i could have killed somebody i could have been killed but it's like i have no car i only have one car now it's just depressing because i don't have the money to go buy a new one so it's like it's like depression uh but happiness at the same time if that makes any sense so that's really what happened why i just had such a, a bad bad start to my week but you know, Flight of the Navigator was definitely my, my point where I was just excited and I couldn't wait to, to talk about it. But that's the story that John was talking about. So uh, hopefully anybody out there, you know, if this story makes you laugh or you can sympathize with, cool. Uh, you know, I'm here to entertain. So that was our email from John the Mailman. So again, sir, thanks so much for writing in. Always a good time. So our next email comes from uh, Cheerful Charlie. Now Charlie doesn't have much to say. Uh he's like, okay, uh the movie was great. It dealt with the boy who was discovered by a spaceship and has returned in the year 1986. This movie was incredible. And that's all he had to say. I, I gave him a little crap on the board. I was like, dude, you don't need to recap the movie. That's what my job is to do. Just tell me what you like about it, what you didn't like, you know, what, what's your things, you know? So uh so needless to say, that's what cheerful Charlie had to say. So uh, so thank you, sir, for writing in. Always a good time. And, uh, and we actually got, uh, we got a new email, which, this is kind of a kind of a weird one. Um we we have a fan who's uh, you know, he's been a fan since the very beginning of the show. Uh and it's and it's Larry. Uh Larry um currently uh he's never wrote in before. Uh so obviously nickname-wise, I don't have one for him yet. But uh, you know, he wrote me and he's like, "Hey Ms. Tunis, what is up? I finally found some free time to write in." Haha. <laughs> Guess what I'm doing? Which he's finally writing in. So good to he kind of he kind of personal emailed me this but i told him hey i'll I'll read it on the show and he says uh what is up with the vote if i can vote though uh i would definitely choose point break uh don't take it personal i haven't been listening to any podcast i finally took a little vacation and then i had uh, uh i had to play catch up back to the real world with work which don't we all he said it's bittersweet right now because i still haven't heard the expendables yet uh but uh i didn't see part two uh, but I know I'm going to hear you say something about part two in your review of part one, but it's still cool. I know I'm going to cave and probably listen to it at work tomorrow. Anyways, he says, I'm going to grab the feed of your new podcast too. keep up the good work, Larry. So thanks Larry so much for writing in, sir. You are officially an STL member. What you already were cause you were on the STL randomness group, but uh, thanks so much for writing in, sir good stuff i look forward to hearing the rest of your uh future emails sir good stuff and our last email comes from anthony the epic emailer uh, always a good time on the board he always has great funny things to say he can always he just always finds a way to make people laugh, and uh, he's always got a great conversations. So here's what he had to say: He's like, "Hey Masunis, I know that it's not the show slash podcast, but I want to say that I enjoyed the debut episode of Changing Channels podcast. It's good that you're going to occasionally touch upon a TV show. I also like that my email got uh, Jameson to chuckle a little bit. Uh, yes, it's true. Thank you so much for uh, for everybody for your support for Changing Channels podcast." You know, immediately I got uh, f- uh, five ratings on iTunes. I got four uh, iTunes reviews. Everything's been positive. You know, the first episode, me and Jameson did have just a tiny bit of audio issues, but uh, we're working on that. So the future episode, 21 Jump Street, will be recording that soon. Hopefully that will be fine. No big deal. Everything will be fixed from there going out. But thanks for all the support, guys, on uh, on CCP. It's been fun. I can't wait to talk some 21 Jump Street. And then our third episode uh, is going to be even better and even bigger. It's going to be awesome. He said, you recently asked the, on STL Facebook page, On how you should handle the episodes in October. And whether you should go through and recap the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series. Which I said that this year would be Nightmare on Elm Street. But I also said with the new voting system. Do you guys want to go ahead and just keep doing movies for voting? Or do you want to do Nightmare on Elm Street? So most people have just said to uh, we'll pause the voting uh, do the horror extravaganza in October for Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Zombieland, and then we'll continue in November with the voting movies. And he said, "I say you should do it as uh, one of the. I should. I say you should do it as it's one of the most recognized." horror series whether the films usually got worse over time notwithstanding instead of doing a single episode on each movie which i have no intention of doing i plan on treating it the way i did halloween which is group episodes he which he has the same thoughts he said you should just do one episode for your more favorite parts of the series with the other being your slightly less appealing movies and the third being the bottom of the barrel if you can do that if you can do uh, if you do that can i suggest you do it from the least to your favorite, because it would be somewhat bad to go the other way, which I agree 100% with you, sir. Um, he said that's my suggestion. You can use ignore if you choose. Uh, I agree 100%. You know, for me, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is my favorite, always has, always will be. Uh, I love the Nancy story, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, 3, and New Nightmare. Now, I have already reviewed Nightmare on Elm Street before. And I'm not really gonna rehash and, and review it again because I already did that with Batman. But essentially, what I would do is I'll do one episode where I'm gonna pick uh, the worst of the series. So obviously, number two, number five, uh, you know, and I'll probably talk about um, probably talk about the remake in there because not a lot of people like it. Then the next episode we'll do the second best of the series, so that would include like part four, um, you know. Then we'll. T- um, you know, and then whatever one, uh, probably Freddy versus Jason would be in that episode, and then go to the best, which would be the last episode would be the best, which is Nightmare on Elm Street one, three, and New Nightmare, uh, and then uh, and then that would be it for the end of the series because, like I said, number three is my favorite, and that one will be the best. We'll do some Dream Warriors up on there. It's gonna be some fun times. Talk a little bit about Freddy's nightmares, and then also talk about the documentary. Uh, Never Sleep Again, which is an excellent documentary, which that documentary is actually more entertaining than almost (laughs) half the movies. So uh, that will definitely be that. And then Zombieland, Jameson and I, will be doing some Zombieland in the month of uh, October. So uh, voting-wise, next episode is going to be the first episode you voted for, which is Point Break. So Speed has been thrown out. Uh, Because it was the first vote, I may bring back Speed in the future to go up against another movie, but no promises. So at this point... Point Break is the winner. Speed is gone. So the next voting movies are going to be Rock and Roll Losers. And the movies going head to head is Airheads starring Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler. Versus Wayne's World, which obviously is Dana Carvey and Mike Myers. Hollywood, uh, Hollywood, you know, rock and roll losers. So uh, I love Airheads. I flipping love that movie. I love Wayne's World, uh, but both, you know, the main characters are rock and roll lovers and they're also losers, but they're fun-loving losers. So that is the movies you will be voting for. Do you want to hear Airheads or do you want to hear Wayne's World? So that vote will go up uh, tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. And then on uh, on uh, next uh, the following week, seven days from the day that the vote goes up, I will take that vote down and uh, we will see who the winner is. Again, the vote will be on the STL page. So if you are not a fan on the Facebook page, please do so so you can participate in the vote. And then if you want to vote twice, you have to be part of the STL Nation Randomness Group for you to vote twice. So, those are the two movies that are going to be going head to head on the next episode. And Anthony finishes off and uh, he talks about Fly the Navigator. He said, Fly the Navigator is one of those movies that, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to see it in its entirety when I was younger. However,. What parts I did see, I found myself enjoying. When I did finally able, when I was finally able to see the movie all together, I had to say that I wasn't disappointed by it one bit. All the characters worked for what they were supposed to do, and I didn't feel like they were shooting in for the hell of it. Of course, my favorite characters were David and Max. That pairing was good. Uh, When it was first started out. And only got better after Max loosened up. After uploading from David's brain. Uh, Would rate this movie a borderline 4 out of 5. Rating mostly comes from being a movie that I really enjoyed as a kid. And haven't uh, diminished as I grew up. Believe I read somewhere that a possible remake could be done for it. And I have to say that I am not really sure I'd be okay with that. The effects would surely be improved. But honestly I think how it was done back when it was made fit better than having an upgrade in other words no remake which i agree 100 percent with you sir that's all from my email we'll look forward to this episode as i said this is one of my favorite childhood movies so uh thanks anthony uh again always awesome to hear from you sir so that is it guys that is all of our emails so let's get to the music spotlight Alright, music spotlight time. Uh, I'm very excited for this music spotlight. This could arguably be the best music spotlight I've ever done because this song, whether you are a fan of the band or not, is instantly love and just love it. You just instantly love it. It's just that flipping good. And here's what's special about this song it's the very first song I ever played during movie and music news. Do you remember what episode that was, guys? It's episode two, The Wraith. Uh, The name of this song is Overcome, and it's by Creed. Yes, Creed. Uh, Creed is not like Nickelback. Nickelback's the band that everybody's like, you know, you got to – it's cool to hate. But Creed, man, back in the day – those guys they they had some awesome tunes, great albums I mean they were a humongous rock band uh, and you guys know the infamous story about how uh, you know um, the lead singer got drunk in Chicago and it eventually led to them breaking up but after re you know after rehab and getting his life back together, uh, the band got back together you know the the other half eventually made alter bridge, but they came back together and they made the album full circle but overcome. Is kind of a song that is a life song because it's about overcoming uh, various things in your life you are entitled to overcome, but it's also to the fans that you know are naysayers that say you know they have the right to overcome. you know uh, It's just you got to listen to it, the lyric wise it's basically the story their story of just you know going through the ups and the downs but also just in life just overcoming your obstacles you know just like this whole car fiasco I'm going to overcome that you know you just got to keep going strong it's just a great song but the guitar solo is amazing the chorus is amazing and it's instantly catchy and uh, and I love this song, and uh, I play it all the time. I flip and love this song. It's amazing. So you will like it, and you will love it. And I'm telling you, you must like it. So now I'm just playing. But I th- I really do think that you will totally enjoy this and love this song. So that is the music spotlight, guys. Uh, just remember a couple different things. Uh, please write in uh, to sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com or stlpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget iTunes, guys. Currently sitting at 17 ratings. 13 reviews I'd love to hear more reviews if you haven't done so already Uh, or if you could just rate the show you know I'm currently at four and a half stars because somebody must have gave me one star so knock my rating down from five stars to four and a half stars but you know I don't want people to lie if that's how they felt that's how they felt what can you do but uh, I'd love to get more ratings out there if you could possibly do that. Don't forget to follow on Twitter at STL Podcast. Uh, don't forget to check me out on uh, Knight Rider, Shadowy Flight. I love that uh, love that podcast. I love doing that. It's so much fun. I love Knight Rider. And, uh, and be on the lookout. I just had a new, op- a new episode upload. And then Changing Channels Podcast has been going really great. iTunes finally has it in the store. And you'll see that the first two episodes that people listen to, you know, like when you go to other people have listened to the first podcast is Sweep the Leg. And the second one is Movie Mojo Monthly. And then, of course, Flix is after that. So it's some great times. So don't forget to go check out the other show, Change Channels Podcast. Hopefully you like it. Please subscribe. So that way, since it's a, once a month episode, you know, once a month podcast, you'll get the newest episode once it downloads. And then don't forget to vote. So go vote for either Airheads or Wayne's World. So next next week will be the release of Point Break. I'm looking forward to it. So please send in your emails on that. Uh, thank you everybody that voted. I'm looking forward to this new voting system. And then uh, once we roll around the 1st of October, we'll put the voting on pause and we will start the Nightmare on Elm Street series and Land. It's going to be some good stuff. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I had a blast. It was some great fun times and uh, I will talk to you guys, uh, if not on the message boards or on Facebook, I will talk to you next week. You guys take care. Misunis out. Don't grab it, don't do me.